Hello and welcome to Recovery Survey, the podcast where we survey recovering addicts with different backgrounds and different links of clean time and ask them questions about different recovery topics. I'm honored to welcome Frederick Chagog back on the show. Today, Freddie's going to be talking to us about mental health. Thanks for joining us again, Freddie. My name is Frederick Chagog. I am founder and CEO of The Message. My sobriety date is June 21st, 2016. I'm coming up on four years. Absolute miracle. We're talking 17 treatments, 20 psychs. I can remember, I think, I don't know, the number's high. But what I do know is that I'm very blessed and my higher power, who I choose to be God, has allowed me another day. So I want to thank you for having me on the show again. It's a blessing. It's awesome. I find a lot of wisdom come from your show. You interview different people and I know you just do an overall good job, and you're a blessing to recovery in general. So I want to make that very clear for the record that I love the movement that you have, what you're doing, you're saving lives, and you're educating and informing people. And I think that's important. So thank you for that. So the wonderful topic of mental health, and I know for me, one of the things I learned real quick, as a, especially as a kid, is that stigma outweighs education. See, like the society we live in, people will believe in stigma before the majority will believe in stigma before they believe in education. Example, so mental health has been a problem my whole life. And I didn't really realize that until after I've gotten sober with a few years to understand how deep mental health is embedded in my life. So let me be very clear about this. As I've said on a previous episode, the first time I ever got high was off my asthma inhaler at eight years old. Like at eight years old, you're supposed to be Spider-Man underwear, running around, eating candy, having fun, playing Nintendo, right? Like enjoying life as a little kid. Like that was the life that I was blessed to have. But instead, my brain didn't allow that. There was, there was another part of my brain that says, no, whenever we touch something, we're going to go so far with that if we like it that we're going to change your childhood. And I don't think at eight years old I had the capacity nor the tools or the skill set to deal with addiction. And that's just that simple. And then on top of that, I got a mother that has bipolar. Now, I want to make this clear, right, of how deep mental health runs. So now that I speak on mental health for a living, now that I'm blessed at where institutions pay me for how I can teach and, and, and explain my story to other student bodies, about mental health, I have to be well-versed and I have to understand the research and the, the expertise behind it. And one thing I can tell you is that from UCLA Medical, John Hopkins, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Oxford, the best brains, the best psychiatrists, the best institutions, billions of dollars are funneled in research. And their evidence couldn't be more clear that mental health is a true illness. Like, it's not even arguable anymore. And it's funny because back in the day when you had a mental health disorder, they put you in shock therapy, right? And we now know that is literally just criminal, right? What I've come to learn is once a person knows that they have a mental health disorder, the best thing you can do is attack that. Like, example, when a person finds out they have cancer, right, the people that I've seen in my life that when they found out they had cancer, they five-mile K run. They research the cancers. They find out other people that have it. What are they doing to get through? They change their diet, exercise. Like they become a weapon of defeating the cancer. And that's one of the things I'm trying to do while I'm here on earth 
is to change the mindset and the climate of the thought process around when you find out you have a mental health disorder. So I'm eight years old, right? And the question is, did the chicken come before the egg? Did I have a mental health disorder before I started abusing my inhaler? Or did I start abusing my inhaler and did those actions brought off induced mental health? I personally believe I had a mental health disorder and on top of addiction. And I think the addiction just suppressed the feelings of the mental health. And I think as I continue to use the things I did using made me feel horrible and bad, which fed into the feelings of mental health. Because when I was using, I didn't take depression medication. I didn't take anxiety medication. What I can tell a person is that from day one, I never felt like everything else I was seeing. And nobody can change that. Nobody can change the narrative on that, especially now that I've gotten time and I've been blessed to, to be around the country and talk to people from all around the world. Like I now know that I'm not crazy to think that it wasn't just the alcohol or the drugs. Like the way I was born and the brain I was given. And I tell people, let me throw this in. I never asked for mental health, for depression, anxiety. Like it wasn't like I said, God, make sure when you make me, you give me depression, anxiety. On top of that, when you're, before you're done, make sure you throw an addiction. Like I didn't ask for this brain. This is the brain I'm given. To maximize my brain, I take a small little blue pill. It's called Zoloft. It's 25 milligrams. I wake up when I eat my breakfast, poop, pop that pill, keep it moving. That pill has allowed me to have a company. That pill has allowed me to have a 3.7 GPA. Like that in combination with a good diet, which I'll get into. But the point is, this is the brain I'm given. So I have to deal with the deck I'm given. And real young, I just knew, man. I remember being in preschool. I remember being in kindergarten and my nerves were always bad. I remember like getting my first test and I knew all the information, studied hours, failed it. Come to find out I have real life test anxiety. And I think part of the problem is, and I, I'm going to just speak on my community. I'm an African-American male and I'm blessed to be one. I love who I am. If it was up to me, God would have made me charcoal black. Like I want to make this real, real clear. I love what I am, who I am. I think that we are survivors and I think that my culture, what we have been through, speaks volumes on how we've helped build America. However, I am also not so naive that I won't speak on when we need to be better. So I have to speak on this part of it because we're talking about mental health. It is criminal how we don't talk about it. I know in my family, my mother, she has a mental health disorder. It ain't even arguable. She didn't want to embrace that and she didn't want to deal with that because the rejection, the shame and the stigma that came with that would have put a real damper on how she was raising me and the help she was getting. It's just that simple. And as a person, it's hard, man, when you're a single parent and you're getting help and, and you rely on that help, even when you're working hard, it's hard to raise kids. It's expensive out here. Like stuff costs money, right? Like they're saying they have a kid right now. It's $300,000 investment. She's getting major help on top of her being on top of her being a wonderful mother and being a person in sobriety. She's being placed in a position where she has to take the help. Like, it's just what it is. Real early, I, I understood that, like, there were certain things we didn't talk about. I understood that, like, you know, we just didn't have those conversations about mental health. And that really put a damper on our household because I really believe. If we could have sat down as a family and said, look, 
Your mom got mental health. Okay, she has bipolar. This is how you guys have to deal. If we could have had like a therapy session where it was explained that like she has mental health, you know, Freddie, it's okay that your mother has mental health. It's okay. This is how y'all deal. And I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's important I say this so the next kid ain't got to go through this. Like it took me till I was 37 to understand the type of mother I had because I didn't get that because I thought a person with mental health is weird. They're odd. There's something wrong with you. You're nuts. You're crazy. And part of that is my culture. We don't want to talk about it. And part of that is America. And on top of that, in the room she was in, they don't want to hear it. They think that once you get sober, mental health is a race. So like, I don't think we ever had a real chance to deal with it. And now after doing the research and traveling, I know what I know. And now I know that mental health is real. As I said, from the door, I knew I was always nervous. I remember my first basketball game, like really being ready, knowing what I'm doing, understanding the plays, what we're trying to do, the schematics and, and how we're trying to attack. And I was a point guard. So like it was important that I understood where everybody needed to be, the tempo of the game, getting people involved. And before we even go on the court, I couldn't even dribble the ball because my hand was shaking so bad. I'm talking about so nervous about to throw up. It was like that when I would speak. It was like that anything I did, I was always nervous. I remember so many times family outings, I automatically would go in the back corner or I would go in the other room. And my family would be like, what's wrong with you? I'm too nervous. And I remember my cousin right, always saying to me, he got a nervous condition. And these are people that did not believe in that type of stuff. Like The point is, I just know mental health was always there way before I picked up alcohol, way before I picked up a drug. Now, the drug and alcohol clearly didn't help. No argument there. Obviously, alcohol isn't a tool to help. It's not a vitamin, and it's not a thing made in a lab to help you get over depression, obviously. However, once I got sober, I knew I had to see a therapist. It wasn't, it wasn't even questionable. So that's what I did. I went and I got me a psychiatrist. Now, God bless this woman. Now, I can tell you, when I went to a psychiatrist before, it didn't work. Why didn't it work? Well, number one, I wasn't ready to change. Number two, I went in there with the mindset of looking for bad things. I didn't go in there with the right mindset. The space where I'm in my life now, I'm open-minded and willing to listen and understand. I now understand that this woman is a psychiatrist. That means that she went to school for a number of years. She's done a lot of research. She's done a lot of writing. There is a rigorous and tremendous amount you have to do to become a psychiatrist. She has schooling that I don't understand. She came from an institution that they specialize in making sure she can understand the human brain and how it works with somebody that has certain mental illnesses. So when I go in here now, I automatically look at her with a certain level of respect. And I understand that she took this occupation to help people get better. Now, are all psychiatrists great? No, there's no such thing as every human being is good. However, if I go in there with the right temperament, with the right humility, I tell her, hey, these are my symptoms. When I go in there, when I talk to my psychiatrist, first thing we do on the table is, hello, how are you? We talk. I build a rapport. You know, these things, I always tell people, there's nothing illegal about being safe, right? Like when I go in there, I make it a point to say, listen, here's the deal. This is my history. This is what I've been through. This is what I've used. This is what I eat. This is how I work out. This is what is around me. This is the type of people I talk to. I give her a full painted picture of my life so that she has the best information possible. Now, let me be clear. 
I've had psychiatrists in my four years of being sober that I've had to cut off because I didn't like the rapport. We weren't on the same page, and I understood she's not the only psychiatrist in the phone book, so I switched and found me somebody else. But the reason I've done this is because I've seen what untreated mental health does. I've seen what happens when somebody can think or a person can believe that being sober is just good enough and not dealing with the mental health. I've seen it. You know how I've seen it? Because my mother has been in over 10 psych units and she's been sober for 26 years. She's done everything that's asked of her in a program, but her psych is off. And I truly believe, and she's told me, Freddie, the reason I really embraced this is because of the stigma that comes with it. And I was too ashamed and my self-esteem was not big enough to deal with that. And I think that that goes on a lot. And I think, take the rooms aside. Let's just throw the rooms out. I know in the world we're living in, mental health, to admit that, to say that, to talk about that, you know, you got to have some stamina to say like, hey, man, I got bipolar. Hey, man, I'm diagnosed anxiety. Now, in saying that, I understand when people go to treatment, right? And I get this. We enter treatment. Hi, how you doing today, sir? What brings you in? Obviously, you're not here because you just graduated Harvard. You're obviously here because life has gotten bad. So the symptoms present. The first thing these treatment centers are doing because we're in an epidemic, they're going to give, where well, I know where I'm at, they offer Seroquel. They, there's a certain regimen of medications they offer. Then they only have you for 30 days if you get lucky where I'm at, and then they send you home. When you go home, you go see a psychiatrist or a therapist if you choose to go that route, and the will continues. But what I'm saying is we got to take the onus back, right? And we got to say, okay, look, 30 days in treatment, you're probably not going to know where you're at mentally. I mean, you're just not. When you're coming off of drugs and alcohol, especially the run I had, your brain and your body need time to heal. So, yes, your symptoms are going to present like a mental health disorder. However, what I'm saying is just because you leave there presenting them symptoms and when you leave you don't have it doesn't mean that you don't have mental health. I would still get it checked. That's like a person with beat cancer not getting regularly checked up on. Of course you're going to. It's just what it comes with it. So when I go to my psych, we talk. And, and I told her, I said, you know, this is what I've been through all this. She said, all right. Now, I originally wanted to go on 50 milligrams of Zoloft. That's what I originally wanted to do. She said, let's start at 100. And I'll be honest, I didn't like that. But I trust her education, background, schooling, and walk. The woman attends conferences all around the country, and she talks to other people. This is what she does. So instead of fighting her on it, I said, okay, look, we'll try it. And if the side effects are too heavy, then we got to change. But I said, I'm willing to try it. I was doing well on it. Some of the side effects, listen, I'll say the side effects with mental health medication, you're not going to hear no different. They suck. It takes a while to get the cocktail right. However, if you keep working it, because life is hard, right? Like when was life ever easy? It'll get better. It's just like recovery. You got to keep working it. You can't give up because one or two meds don't work. It's trial and error. So she gave me the med. It was going well. She said, okay, Freddie, let's drop it. So we dropped the 50. After about four weeks of being on 50, I said, all right, let's drop the 25. Because I told her and my therapist, I said, listen, I don't want to be on mental health medication the rest of my life if I don't have to. Again, if, if I need to take medication, it's okay. People take diabetes every day. People take medications for all type of illnesses every single day. What is the shame of taking a pill that's going to make you better? Now, I hear a lot that 
taking that pill made me feel like when I was getting high. My issue with that is, and I would say this, I understand we all have different levels of what our addictions did to us. That's the beauty, that we all come in with different diverse opinions, ideals, and thoughts. But there has to be a medium balance. If there is a physical pill that will make your life better, that will help enhance you to the highest levels, we have to take it. Because what's going to happen if we don't, you got to ask yourself, is the risk worth the reward? Is it really worth it? I've seen what untreated mental health does. Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, and Robin Williams. They are all rich. They are all legends in their field. They are all changed literally the fabrics of their fields in this country. You can make an honest case that all three of them have really changed how mental health and how the world right now is viewing it because of who they are. They're all dead. And it has nothing to do with their intelligence, has nothing to do with their grit, has nothing to do with how they present. They were running companies that were making millions upon millions of dollars. They were doing things that's never been seen before. Every other woman I was seeing had a Kate Spade bag, right? Like the market she was affecting. Robin Williams is one of the best comics ever. He, he's going to go down in history as one of the best comics to ever walk the earth unarguable. They said his range as an actor was incredible. He's up there with the greatest actors of all time in his craft, which is comedy, right? And Anthony Bourdain, you can make the argument now that all these chefs running around going to different countries and all that, he started that, right? Like he's one of the pioneers of that. So we're not talking about their intelligence level. We're not talking about what they can do. Clearly they've shown that they are legends and they're intelligent and they can make things go. That ain't the argument. The argument is what happened Right. Like it shows how strong mental health is. It don't matter how rich. It don't matter how poor. It don't matter where you're coming from. It don't matter rich, white or black or none of that stuff. If you don't take care of your mental health, you're going to check out of here. That's the risk. And think about how deep it goes. They had family that loved them. Children. Think about that. That's the risk if you don't take care of your mental health. But I'm using them as examples because they have exceeded at such high levels that I want to make it known how important it is to take care of your mental health. You can have the richest, best doctors, diets, homes, water, best foods in the world. But if you don't have that right cocktail for your mental health, it's a wrap. So like I was saying, I go to 50. She says no. Now, I'm still mad at my psychiatrist, right? Because I want to drop down. But she says, no, Freddie, we're not doing that yet. I just want to make sure. And I like how she plays that. She'd rather be safe than sorry. And I like that. On top of that, her and my therapist are on the same page because I talk to my therapist and we have such a rapport that I make sure my therapist contact her. I'll say to her, hey, you talking to my psychiatrist? No, thanks for reminding me. I'll make sure I talk to her. See, I understand that my relationship with my psychiatrist and my therapist is a team. I understand that those two work in unison to make sure I'm okay. And listen, every conversation we have ain't always good. Sometimes I have to just trust what they're doing. But that's what they went to school for. That's why they got these years of expertise. Now, are they perfect? No, they're human. They're giving me their best educational advice. And it's up to me to take it. So I did. I waited it out. I was in school at this point. I'm doing well in school. Things are starting to move. I waited it out. I waited it out. She said, okay, you're ready to drop 25. Now I'm at 25. So what happens? I've been at 25 now for a year. Now at this 25 milligrams, I was ready to drop it again. 
And my psychiatrist said, okay, Freddie, let's see. I dropped it and I immediately knew the difference. I will never forget. I will never, ever forget. Me and my wife went to Puta Kana. We were blessed to go over there to get engaged. And I'm over there and I didn't take my meds. And I didn't have them in me for like two days. And I immediately could tell. No matter I'm on Zoloft, you can look it up. It's not addictive. And that was one of the things I, I made clear. I said, listen, it's 2020. I know that there's a medication in that book that ain't addictive. I know that. So whatever one you need to get in and find that out, you need to give to me. Period. I'm not taking nothing addictive. You can miss me with all that. For me, I knew it. And when I remember getting on that plane, I told my wife, I said, yeah, I'm going to probably have to take meds forever. And she said, hey, that's okay. And you know what? She's right. There's nothing wrong with it. So I take the meds. I eat healthy. I work out. But I'm talking about consistent. My employment, my education, and what I do for a living. And a good, healthy foundation. My, and my spirituality. Obviously, God is good. With a good, healthy foundation, it has allowed me to thrive, which has taken me now to where I speak on it for a living. I get a call from Missouri State University. They do a mental health summit every year. Last year, they had the actor Sean Astin as their keynote, and he talked about his mental health. And a lot of the stuff he was saying, I had been through. Now, this is Sean Astin's actor for Rudy's and the Goonies. Had a great run. And I thought about it. I said, man, this thing is really that deep. There are institutions that are paying people to speak to student bodies and understand how do we deal with these kids in college that have mental health disorders. And think about this. How smart are you that you can get to college with untreated mental health? Now knowing how we know how competitive college is, how hard it is to get, right? How smart do you got to be and how strong of a survivor do you got to be to make it through the ranks of elementary, middle school, high school, and get to college? And be at college and dealing with untreated mental health. I would be willing to bet, and I know there's a study, that 70% of the people in jail have untreated mental health. I'd be willing to bet that. I seen an article the other day that said that L.A. County Jail is the birthplace for mental health. I just think that it's so undealt with. And part of the problem is people, and especially in the walk of life that I'm blessed to be in, we want to believe what we want to believe, and we want to see what we want to see. We think once the drugs and alcohol are put down, as long as you do the book work, as long as you just do what the steps say, as long as you just do the theatrics of the program, it's going to solve all that. Because now that you don't have that in you, you won't be acting like that. I agree for some, but that can't be a blanket statement. The first thing I do when I get a mentee, because I don't call them sponsors, when I get a mentee, the first thing that I tell them, go see the shrink. Because what I don't want to happen is I would rather them be safe. I don't want to look up years from now and their life is in turmoil, but they're sober because they didn't deal with their mental health, especially knowing what I know. There's too much evidence out here now proven. There's too much technology. There's too much studies proven that mental health goes so undealt with. If you think about it, right? For years, people get high, right? Like completely destroy their lives. I've done some of the most degradable things to get high, right? Things that are against every moral bone in my body. You really believe that that didn't leave no trauma? You really believe that that didn't leave no PTSD? You really believe that all that didn't do some type of mental health? Of course it did. And why not take advantage of people who are go to these institutions that are billion 
dollar buildings. These places are built to teach them. Now, does everyone that come out of there ready to fight the world? No. But if you go, if you become a psychiatrist, do you know the rigor it takes to become one of them? I know how hard it is to get my associate's degree. I can't imagine what it would take to become a psychiatrist. So my whole point is, is that I just think if we would embrace it and accept that this is a part of what comes with us as addicts and alcoholics, we could be so much further ahead of the game. I still don't understand why there isn't more mental health meetings. I can't believe that there's not, hi, my name is such and such. I have a mental health disorder and I have this too. Now, I know they're out here, but I'm saying like, especially in the area I'm at, I live about 20 minutes from Kensington. They've been on intervention. They're the one with the capita of heroin overdose. What do you mean we don't have mental health meetings? That's criminal. How do we not have meetings for people to deal with mental health? And I know everybody hasn't had the same walk of life. I get that. But I just know in my walk of life, my mother has struggled with mental health her whole life because of stigma. She's been on different meds. She's been on units. And right now I can say that this is the best I've ever seen her in my life because she's accepted her illness. And by her accepting her illness, she's taken her meds. And guess what else? It's also allowed me to understand the type of mother I got. So now I understand I got a mother that got bipolar. So guess what? When she acts crazy, I don't take it as personal as I used to because I understand it ain't hers, the illness. So I'm able to deal with it better. Do you realize if I would have accepted she had mental health when I was a kid, how much easier it would have been? The things that we could have learned from that, the situations. In my house now, my daughter takes mental health medication. My wife takes mental health medication. Do you know how easier it is to accept that and deal with them when they get in their spaces now that I know what mental health is rather than just saying they're crazy and there ain't nothing wrong with them? It's, my house has become more of a team effort because there's no stigma. There's no shame. We can sit around at our Sunday dinner table now and you can raise your hand and say, hey, my name is such and such. Just got out of treatment yesterday. I got mental health, man. I got to take psych meds. And not a single person at that table is going to have anything negative to say, but we're praying for you and we hope. It wasn't like that for me growing up. I'm trying to change that cycle. And listen, I want to make this clear too, because it's not a blanket statement. I understand that not everybody has mental health, but I believe that people that go through the walk of life we go through when they get sober, it is criminal if they don't get checked to make sure they don't have it. Because a lot of times, at least I know where I'm at, there's people telling you not to get checked that have never graduated from college that have that degree to understand that. You can't ask a plumber how to be a chef. I don't give advice on things that I don't know. So if you ask me, Freddie, how what's it like to be a speaker? I can tell you about that because I do that for a living. I'm blessed to do that. If you ask me what it's like to be a plumber, I don't give you no advice. I tell you to search Google or call a local plumber because that's not my forte. So I think that we need to take an onus on not giving that experience out to the point where we're telling people to or not to, because how can we speak on that if we've never been in a lab? How can we speak on that if we've never studied mental illness? Like, okay, we speak on our experience. In my experience, I've seen people that they were just using, and that's why they had mental health. Even if that is that, don't throw the other part out. Seek the therapist. And let me be clear. I've had conversations with my therapist. I mean, we, we've gotten real tight over the years. She's told me, Freddie. Do you know how many people I've seen that get sober and I know for sure with the life they told me and what, what they present and the behaviors and all that, they definitely need to be on some type of psychiatric medication and they definitely have mental health, but they refuse to do it because of the rooms are coming from told them not to. And I'm not saying all the rooms are like that. So let me make that real clear now, but I'm just telling you that's how heavy the stigma is. And this is not a conversation I've had with just one kid from one state. I'm talking about from Hawaii to Alaska. 
I'm in this academy thing that I've had this conversation and I just know the world that we're in. And do yourself a favor today, anybody listen to this, go research mental health conferences. You know one of the number one things you're going to see? I'd be willing to bet my last dollar. We're trying to eliminate stigma. From Hawaii to India, everywhere. look where the mental health conferences are and look when, when they tell you what the conference is about. I guarantee you in there somewhere in that verbiage is going to say, we're having this conference to eliminate stigma and to empower the voices that have it. I just applied for a scholarship in New York. It's called the Jed Foundation. I highly advise people looking them up. They give a $3,000 scholarship to one student per year. That scholarship they give is from the Jed Foundation, which bases on mental health. Their whole thing about mental health, the reason they give the scholarship out, is for a student who is doing work on their campus that eliminates stimulant. That's their mission statement. We're talking about people, and the people in there, some of them are CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. Some of those people have tremendous amount of power and money, and they can dictate a lot. They realize the stigma on mental health. It angers me. It hurts me, man. I couldn't believe when I got asked to speak at my high school. I did my first assembly in New Jersey, and the lady told me, Freddie, I don't need you to send me a resume and your stuff about what you know about addiction. I need your stuff about mental illness. I couldn't believe that we're separating them. When she told me that, I couldn't believe it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, I have to show the state and on paper it has to look a certain way because you have to be a vendor and the funding and all that. And I was like, wow. Like they don't consider mental health and addiction the same? She said, no. And we're talking about an area of poor children that are going through hell, right? Like their only good day might be me. I'm blessed to be in certain walks of life and I get exposed to certain things that has changed my eyesight on how deep this thing is, man. You can make a real lifetime out of eliminating the stigma of mental health. And I have no idea who started that. And I don't know why. But some of the smartest people I have ever met in my natural life did not come from college. They came from shelters and mental institutions. I've been in like 20 sites in my life. And let me tell you, I've met lawyers. I've met doctors. I've met people all over the country. And trust me on this, people with mental health, are, the last thing they are is stupid. That ain't the issue. Wisdom, insightful, you know, they have grit, they have fight. But your brain, I hate to remind people, your brain is the center of it all. The brain you're given will determine how your life goes, man. Because at the end of the day, it controls a lot. Once you can get that brain right, it's over. I can't wait to the day. And I know they're out here. A kid, 14, says, I'm bipolar. And that kid gets on the right medication. And he ends up creating a new, I don't know, something crazy. And it's probably already happened. We need more of them to show the world that it's okay to take meds. There's no shame. One of the things that I'm so excited about when I speak in Missouri is I'm excited because I get to stop the cycle in my family. I get to be a person that is not scared to go in front of people I've never met in my life and tell these people, look, I know what we've been told about mental illness. I know what the world thinks about it, but this is what mental illness can look like. A young, vibrant person who ate out of a trash can, who just three and a half years ago had no such thing as a company. But if you take the meds in combination with working a good program, you could speak in another country. You could speak at a college. You could speak at a high school. You can be paid for what comes out your mouth. You can go and get scholarships. You can be a husband. You can be a family man. 
you could be a Sunday school teacher. Yes, at one time I was that bum on the street that had nothing that was panhandling, peeing on myself. But with medication, good therapy, journaling, good diet, God obviously is the top of that. Man, you could change your life. When I look back and now I know, the best thing that happened to me was having mental health. Accepting that I had a mental health disorder, accepting that that's who I am, that gave me a career. I'm going to go to Africa. That wasn't in the plans. Why am I going over there? Because they want to know how am I managing my mental health. That's how deep it is. In three years, man, the world is so needy for people with mental health. That's what they want to know. And let me be clear. When I'm speaking, they tell me, you got more people? Tell them to call me. We love to hear people with mental health that are getting through it. We love to hear people speak on that. I'll go to my grave doing my life's work to make sure mental health is out here, man. I can't wait till somebody wins an Oscar and says, I have bipolar and I got through. I can't wait, man. Because I just want to eliminate the mess that is something to be ashamed of. Why are you ashamed of the brain you're given? You didn't ask for it. I'm talking to a lady. She's the other keynote with me. Her name's Jenna Schaefer. She's a good woman. She wrote a book about eating disorders and asked me if I wanted to be in her book about trauma. And we talked about it. And she was like, you know, I met a lot of people, Freddie, like this mental health thing is real. Think about right now with COVID. Do you know I got published and I'm working on some other things and I'm going to be a part of a webinar? I'm going to be a keynote speaker on a webinar tomorrow. You know why? Because I'm willing to talk about my mental health flat out. Mental health changed my life. Me accepting that, me being okay with that allowed me to have a voice for people who will never have one. I see a lot of people with a lot of clean time that are miserable because they refuse to go check their mental health. Life being held back because they refuse. And I feel so bad because I remember being there. But accepting your mental health is not no shame, man. It's not a disgrace, it's a disease. And I think as a country, as a society, we need to stop that. And we need to just accept, man, you're not weird because you went to a psych unit. You're not an oddball because you got to take psychiatric medication, man. That's what it is. If you had an ACL injury, you had to put on a brace, it would be okay then. And then on top of that, who are we so worried about, right? Like when you really think about the sting moment, who are we so worried about being ashamed of? Right. Like my only way to heaven is through Jesus. So why am I so worried in my belief system? Right. But like, why are we so worried about what somebody else thinks? That's behavior that got us in the rooms. Right. Like a lot of us got high because we didn't fit in and we felt bad about not being able to be like other people. At this point of the game, knowing we're not like other people, why are we so ashamed to say that? If we all got into this fight of mental health, imagine what the world would be if we embraced it. How many more scientists would we have? How many more doctors would we have? How many more janitors? Why do I say janitor? Because it's not the job you got, it's what you do with the job. I would say right now, cleaning people are pretty important. Imagine if we all sat down and said, look, it's okay. What can we do to make the world better with mental health? I can't wait to turn on the TV in the Macy's Day Parade. And one of the things is walking down there instead of it. And God bless the cancer people. I love them. I think they're unbelievable. But instead of it always being... Oh, uh, that's the foundation that uh, fights breast cancer. I want to see the mental health organization. I can't wait for the day somebody gets in office and they say, hi, my name is President such and such. I'm thankful to be here. I represent this country. I have a mental health disorder and this is where I'm at. They would never do that. Why? Because of stigma. I can't wait for the day somebody at the UN gives a speech and their speech is about how all our countries need to all get together in this fight for mental health. I can't wait for that. Right. Like I can't wait for the world to get to that level where it's going to be OK 
to walk in class at five years old and be like, hey, you want to play with Johnny? Yeah, I don't feel so well today. Why? I had to take my medication because I feel different. And they're like, okay, that's no problem. I can't wait for that day, man. That's what I'm out here doing. So that's my goal in life, man. I want to eliminate the stigma of mental health. Is it a doable goal? Is it a big task? Yeah. So was getting high every day. Why would I settle for less now? Thanks for having me on. It's always an honor to have you on, Freddie. Thank you for sharing your experience on mental health with us. If you'd like to get in contact with Freddie, you can find him at themessagellc.com. Thanks again, Freddie. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Survey. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving us a rating or a review, and please be sure to tell your friends about us. If you'd like to get in contact with us, we have a brand new website. It's recoverysurvey.com. Until next time, I've been your host, Brett. Thanks for listening.